1: And now it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are It's I. Bruce Buffer, Bruce Buffer.
2: From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China and back to the streets of Lincoln, Nebraska, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry, we'll talk about it for you. This is No Holes Barred Radio, folks. We have a guest on this week's show, a special guest. We have a lot of news to talk about, buried, good, bad, funny, and different. And it's going to be a great show today. I'm here with my co host, TJ DeSantis. TJ, you ready for an hour? The world has
0: changed, and Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat, meet, call, and collaborate. To learn more, visit Microsoft.com/teams. slash And let's get it going. An hour of power, Mister Buffer.
2: Hour of
0: power. Oh, I man. like that. I wasn't a, I, like that. I wasn't ready for the pipes on that one. <laughs> uh, I know you got a guest coming up. Uh, we're going to talk some MMA bobbleheads here in, in a moment, but before we get there, it is sort of the last uh, few weeks of summer. And might be a good time, Bruce, to sort of remind everyone the perils that may uh, lie in wait if you ever are foolish enough to drink and drive.
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to touch on that because, you know, personal responsibility is something that everybody should take real note and realize very important to follow. I mean, everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. You know, think about it. You can get a crash. People get hurt or killed. Lose your job. Yeah, you could lose your job, your job, not just that, but your livelihood, your life as you see it. But let's take a moment to look at at some surprising statistics. This kind of blew me away. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes, which is termed drunk driving. If you think about it, TJ, that's one person every 50 minutes. Mm. And even though drunk driving fatalities have been reduced and fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes according to statistics, still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. That's crazy. Now, aside from that and what it can have an effect on as far as your personal well-being and the people around you, God forbid you affect anybody's health with a crash because you were driving drunk, drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet too. I mean, if you get arrested for a DUI, there's huge legal expenses that you're going to incur.
0: And that, that price is way more than just getting a, a ride home from you know a buddy or a taxi or whatever.
2: Exactly, because there's always alternatives if you know you're not supposed to get behind the wheel.
0: What I think you're saying is drive sober or get pulled over. All right, folks. Dave
2: Manley, the owner of MMABobbleHead.com. As those of you know, they've been reaching uh, my social media, seeing my posts, I am honored Dave Manley has gone ahead, designed and made and put together one of the most amazing figures or what we call bobbleheads I've ever seen. The detail is amazing. He did it for Chuck Waddell. He did it for Dan Henderson. And now I'm very honored to say it's my turn. Pre-sales are being had at MMABobblehead.com as we speak. But let's talk to the man himself. Let's get his motivation behind doing what he does because honestly, this is the best I've ever seen. Let's bring on Dave Manley. Dave, how are you?
1: Great. Thanks, Ruth. That was a fantastic introduction. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It's almost like
2: Bruce does
0: introductions for a living or
2: something. You know, one of these days I may get hired. I just keep auditioning all the time on his time radio. What can I say?
0: Right.
2: (laughs) 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 Dave, you and I had the... Thank you, buddy. You and I had the pleasure of meeting um, actually over a year ago uh, because there's a lot of work that goes behind these amazing bobbleheads that you're making. And for the... um, benefit of our audience internationally. And I noticed that when the pre-orders are being taken, you're getting asked questions. Can I buy it in Scotland? Can I get one in Australia? Can I get one in England? It's like, it's all there. So tell us about your motivation behind this, because you put a tremendous amount of time and a tremendous amount of money behind designing these. Uh, And it's obviously uh, an effort of passion on your part. So give us a little dissertation on that. And then let's talk about um, why you chose me to be one of your bobbleheads.
1: Okay. Thank you very much, Bruce. Yeah. So the, it's a two part question you just asked. And, uh, you know, so I'm a, I'm a lifelong MMA fan. I've been an MMA fan for 25 plus years. And I've always found that the stuff that you can buy when I say stuff like memorabilia and things like that was never really personal for me. And, uh, one day I decided that I wanted to just buy, you know, something just to put on my desk or on my shelf in my office, and I decided to go with a Dan Henderson bobblehead. He's my favorite sports athlete of all time, and I thought, you know, I'll just put a Dan Henderson. It was an afterthought. And when I typed in Dan Henderson bobblehead in the computer, nothing came up. And I was like, what? how could that be? So, you know, I just moved on. I was a little disappointed. I moved on to Robbie Lawler bobblehead. I think at the time he was the UFC champion and maybe my second favorite fighter, and nothing came up. So my irritation kind of went to. I was angry. My blood started boiling because I felt like these guys are getting disrespected. Right, you know, right then and there, I started thinking about all the athletes from every sport. Uh, all these athletes that no one really even knows—football, uh, basketball, baseball, hockey—they all have their own bobbleheads. And why doesn't? Uh, you know, the sport that I love the most, why don't they have bobbleheads for these great legends and warriors of the sport? So I just, you know, I thought, you know, I'm going to move on. My mission was to get a bobblehead. So I'm just going to go straight to the top because I want an MMA bobblehead. So I typed in Connor McGregor bobblehead and nothing came up. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, I leaned back in my chair in my office and my blood boiling went to, a heart full of inspiration. I got hit with a thunderbolt of inspiration. I've always been a very creative person. I've always been into art. I picked, took art classes all the way up until I graduated from university. And, and I am a businessman by trade. My fiance has family in manufacturing, my passion for MMA. I thought, you know what, can I do this? Can I, can I, make a bobblehead for these guys that 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 need it more than all these other all these other athletes uh to be honored you know by a bobblehead and then so when i decided to take that first initial step then it it grew to the questions that i had to wait a minute why do bobbleheads always look the same like the poses may be different the uniforms may be a little bit different in all the different sports but the guys the athletes always the faces always look the same so then I set out to why can't I do, do some like high end, high artistry craftsmanship and make these bobbleheads the right way with high level detail and art and make them in poses of the fighters moments of their glory of the UFC moments in which any uh, UFC or MMA fan would immediately know like that's the Dan Henderson H-bomb UFC 100. That's Chuck out screen. That's you know, Bruce Buffer you know, calling out uh, you know a big event, and so that's kind of how it all started. And then I, you know, there was no path for me to take, so I just kind of grabbed my machete and started making my own path. And it was, it's been very, very difficult, but uh, now the you know the fruits of the labor are starting to pay off because it's starting to get a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, now I'm talking to you on your show, so it's great.
2: Uh, It's it's really awesome, and you know, the passion is in your voice, the passion is in what you do. I know you handle millions of dollars watching over the investment potential of your clients, and that's your main business, but I also Mm -hmm. know that you put a lot of money behind, you know, what you're doing here with the bobbleheads, because I I know, and I'm not going to mention on the air, but I know the kind of money it takes just to even come out with a sample for for someone like me to approve. Now, years ago, Round 5 out of Canada made some very, very fine figures um, for UFC um, athletes, fighters, and people like myself, and those are really great. And I'll give you an example of the collector quality. Back then, the limited edition model or bobblehead you're making for me uh, is only 1,000 units on the first run. Now there was 1,000 units run on the round five, and back then when they came out, they sold for in the area of 29.95. Now signed on the web, and you go to eBay and, and see it. People are selling these for two to as much as three to four hundred dollars. That's my figure. So there's collector value here when you're dealing with limited. But one thing I want to point out about the bobbleheads. All of us sports fans who have gone to a baseball park or, you know, over the years, we've seen bobbleheads. And quite frankly, Dave, they all suck. I mean, they're, they're, they're not good quality. They're usually just yeah. a plastic figure. Like you said, they look the same. The head bobbles way back and forth. Um, your bobble here is a type bobble. This is, I like to almost call this a figurine. Because this is a work of art. It's like seven inches tall. It's got weight to it. It's If I'm not correct, yeah. it's hand-painted. And if you look at the one you did for me, the fight card, which is I'm – selling, I'm selling for charity benefit uh, my two twenty seven UFC 227 fight cards from the other week that Dillashaw and Demetrius Johnson and everybody fought. And the card that you have there looks exactly like my card. What is the fight that's on that card? What card did you pick?
1: Yeah, so that's a that's a that's a lot that you said, and then just really, really quick before I get to the card, I do want to just quickly mention that every time you do go to the ballpark or pick up a bobblehead, just it's just woven into like you know a sports fan's uh, fiber and being that that's just what we have to accept as the bobblehead, what they give us in the plain white box, and it's neither here or there. It is what it is, but you know they are kind of cool and they go on the mantle or the desk. And my big question was, why is it that we have to accept it like that? Why can't I take it to the atmosphere, bring it to the new school with high-end art? And, and, uh, you know, I'm glad that you did mention that. But as far as the card goes, so I have – when I deal with fighters and uh, you know the process, I spend an extreme amount of time – on the uh, uh, attention to detail, I'm laser focused on the detail. I want to honor the, the fighter, the person, as much as I possibly can. And uh, you know, when I first met you, Bruce, we sat down, we talked. Well, what does Bruce see? As uh, you know, you uh, what kind of suit do you want to wear? What kind of pose do you want to do? Let's like let's talk outside the box and, and try to go for it. So when I made your bobblehead. I set myself up for failure, and when I say that, I it means that I just set the bar so high for myself because I was really feeling my oats at the time when I was making your bobblehead. I already had made about five or six really solid bobbleheads, and I and I thought, you know, for Bruce's bobblehead, I'm really going to go for it because the, suit, the suits are awesome, and, you know, he's got such great characteristics and the things that he has on his person that I can make in the bobblehead, like, for example, the earpiece. The ring, the card. And so I really challenge myself and set myself up for failure. Like, in other words, if I didn't get the card just right or if I didn't get the ring just right, well, close would be good enough and it would still be great. So for the card, it's the, you, it's the uh, Chris Weidman Anderson Silva card number one, the first fight. So if you squint your eyes really good or get a magnifying glass, you can see. Their, their, their stats, a 6'2", 6'2", 185, and you can see your markings and all that stuff. And uh, I'm really proud of that card. But more, more I'm more proud of when I first met you, Bruce, at your table. I was commenting on your family ring that I've never even noticed that you had on TV. It has a big B on it. And you told me the story how you honored your father with that ring, and it really touched me. I really loved that ring. So I told myself, you know what, I'm going to surprise Bruce, and I'm really going to try To get that B ring on his bobblehead, it took me about uh, eight or nine tries, but I finally nailed it, and it came on uh, the bobblehead. It looks gorgeous, and you can really tell. And along with your earpiece, your pocket square, your suits flowing up, and you know the the face that you're making, I'm really, really proud of this bobblehead. It's uh, you know people ask me what's your favorite bobblehead that you've made so far, and it's like kind of like picking a favorite child. I hate to I hate to say it, but you know, in, you know, I know for sure, and I think all the other guys that I've made the bobbleheads for uh, can agree with me that this Bruce Buffer bobblehead is by far the best one I've ever made.
2: Uh, I'm honored. I, I truly am because, uh, number one, in our contract, I get a certain number. But you know, <laughs> I'm buying about 50 of these things because Christmas is coming around, the family, my kids, you know, the whole bit. Uh, there's a lot to do here. But another reason that I'm going to buy a batch too is again, I truly believe in the future collectible value. Now, it goes past the point of the quality of the bobblehead, the packaging alone. The box that you make for your bobbleheads, TJ, he puts a handwritten letter in there, whether it's Dan Henderson, Chuck Waddell, or me. Uh, there are signatures in there, certificate of authenticity. Uh, st- the box itself is a work of art. I have never seen this kind of care put into any kind of toy or collectible from, from the outside to the inside, and that says a lot for you, Dave. That's why the pre-sales that are being done at, at MMABobblehead.com right now. If I'm not incorrect, and correct me if I'm wrong, the bobblehead will sell for forty nine ninety five when it's released at the end of the month. The pre sale, you can buy it for thirty nine ninety five. Now you're coming over to my office, and I'm going to sign. How many? About one hundred and fifty signed. Bobbleheads. Yeah, we're
1: going to sign 150, and then that will be it. And then, if if you are a lucky one to purchase the 150, you're going to get an additional certificate of authenticity with a photo of Bruce signing it. So, if you don't buy an autographed one, it comes with a certificate of authenticity that has a number on it. The number is going to coincide with a sticker that's on the base of the bobblehead, And, and it's really, really thought out, and it's really uh high end and i like i like you said i try to pay attention from the outside to the inside so that's if you don't buy an autograph and if you do buy an autograph one you're going to get an an additional certificate of authenticity along with a photo
2: so let me go into the collectible aspe- aspect of this again. I know the resale market. I know that this will have resale on eBay and Amazon where it's going to appear as months go past when it initially goes for sale. If you meet me at a show and you have me sign your bobblehead, that's one thing. That's great. But these hundred and fifty ones, that what are you pre-selling those for at MMABobblehead.com? <laughs>
1: Yeah, we have a hundred and fifty only for seventy five bucks. It's a it's a steal. I mean, you you can't go wrong by purchasing. I mean, if you're going to spend fifty bucks on a regular one, uh, yeah, you might as well just get the extra, go the extra mile and and buy the seventy five dollar presale one at MMABobblehead.com.
2: Yeah, I agree. And again, I'm talking from a collectible standpoint. You know, this is this is what this is how it works, guys. You look at the top's UFC cards. You look at the round five figures made years ago. Now you're looking at something that the UFC does not produce. UFC sells the Reebok signature wear and all of that. But, in, but they're not making action figures right now, and they haven't for years. These are the only action figures of UFC fighters and yours truly that are available on the market. That goes down to the basic economic theory that we talk about on his time radio of supply and demand. These are future collectibles, and I look at these in an investment. And again, Dave, excuse me if I buy a ton of these, because that's where I'm going to <laughs> no,
1: right? You're excused, Bruce. Can I right. mention one thing, Bruce, really quick about the process? Because you did bring up the buy. and and how beautiful the box is, but Bruce isn't giving him uh, enough credit because what I pride myself on on making these, not only are these handmade and hand-painted, every single one, they don't touch a machine, um, but I also pride myself on getting together with the fighter, in this case Bruce, and going over everything with him on how Bruce wants it, not how Dave Manley sees it, not how I think – is going to look cool, but it's a total and complete collaboration with the fighter, or in this case, Bruce from A to Z. And that includes the box. So when you do see the box, the Bruce buffer box, it's not my idea. It was Bruce's idea. Let's go this path. No, maybe this path. Let's go this way. And then at the end of the day, we come up with a beautiful box that Bruce has his fingerprints all over. And as a fan and as a consumer that's what I want. That's what that's that that's what that's what motivates me to make something that I feel like others like me would want too. And that means buying something that not just a t-shirt or a hat or you know, the guy maybe designed it, who knows? But but purchasing something in which you know the person totally designed it from A to Z.
2: Very cool. And with that being said, before I let you go, I want to thank you. Sincerely, I want to remind our audience that to pre-buy and also to get the Danny Henderson and the Chuck Waddell uh, bobblehead figurines, you go to mmabobblehead.com. It's all right there. Now, I'm not going to let any cats out of the bag, Dave, but I know <laughs> I know two or three, three exactly of the new bobbleheads you're working on. Folks, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, all I'm going to tell you is Like me, you're going to want the whole set. When you see the next three that are coming out, it's going to blow you away. That's all I'm going to say, Dave. I had to tickle it. I had to tickle
1: it. (laughs) Thank you, Bruce. I really do appreciate you saying that. And one last personal note, Bruce. Uh, You know, I want to just tell you I appreciate you so much, Bruce. You've been such a, you know, like a mentor to me. I've known you for a while now, and I really uh, cherish the times that we speak on the phone because not only are you a great announcer, you're wonderful at what you do, but you are a really, really intelligent person and and you're a a motivating person and like at the end of your podcast you always talk about being a good role model for your center of influence and do your research and get on the path to be a winner and guys like me who i i really appreciate that bruce i really do and i think there's a lot of other people who do as well
2: well, thank you so much, Dave. I'm honored by your words. And of course, you can hire me by going to BruceBuffer.com and, and hire me to motivationally <laughs> speak to your company, your employees, or at your local birthday party. Just kidding around, but half serious. I love, <laughs> I, I love motivating people to be the best they can be because that's what allows and motivates me to be the best I can be. It's a give and take karmic experience in life. Thank you for recognizing ah. that. And thank you so much for your kind words.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, and it's not just saying you know motivating being the best, but you give like specific steps. You know, do your research, take the best foot forward. You know, specific things like that. So, yeah, Bruce, you're 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 an awesome guy.
2: Uh, well, my mom thinks so, and you think so. So my Wednesday's made. I'm happy. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Dave. I appreciate it. Listen, my friend, I will see you soon. Uh, we've got a lot of bobbleheads to sign. Um, I will tell you the creepiest thing I ever saw was that box of heads of just a bobblehead unpainted heads in a box about a <laughs> hundreds of my my face look at that, is that was
1: And yeah, Yeah, August 25th, I'm going to be up in your home office, and we're going to go live with the signings. by the way. So if you're on Bruce's um, Instagram account, you're going to log in at that time, and we're going to maybe do some personalized autographing, too. So uh, you know, I'll I'll announce it again. I'm sure Bruce will, but on August 25th, we're going to do a live signing of all the bobbleheads, and we're going to ship them out the very next business day uh, after that. So August 25th, make sure you guys tune into Bruce's Instagram account.
2: Thanks for that, Dave. I look forward to August twenty-fifth. You have a great day, a great week. Go make money for all those clients you have, because the millions can be can keep going up as long as the tariffs are not hitting us too hard.
1: <laughs> tariffs are killing, killing uh, everyone.
2: I'm sure they're killing you a little bit, my friend. You know, they hit they, you right in the are, middle. They are.
1: They yeah. are. They're killing a lot of people. Minimum ten percent across the board. It's not fun. Wow.
2: wow. And well, on let's let's get off the negative note, stay on the positive note. Everybody, MMA check it
0: out dave <laughs> thanks right. so much thanks for a, thanks
1: tj i appreciate it guys see ya take
0: care take care my friend okay bye-bye what a manly man
2: you know he's i, I deal with a lot of people tj obviously we all do and i do business with a lot of people um, I was taken with his business acumen, his passion. I could not deny his skills, and it's just something I had to become a part of, you know. But I, I'm going to tell you again, the next three he comes out with are going to blow your mind when you see who they are and what they are. So that's all I'm going to say. Let's move on to some news. Um, we've got to talk about, you know, I I love talking about good news, okay. But we have to talk about bad news first. Wait, I, th- I is-
0: thought you just said enough of the bad news. I thought we were on to the good news. I, I can't. It's just Man, it, more bad it, news, but it always gets worse before it gets better. Isn't that a well, saying? Yeah, exactly.
2: And you want me as you always kid with me, you know, end the show on a good note. So let me get the bad stuff out of the way at the at the start. Listen, everybody, I always say, God bless you. And what I mean by that is that whoever your God is, whatever your religion is, I hope that you are blessed and your God does bless you. I mean that with complete and total respect. The article that I have seen this morning is very disturbing to me. There has been report details of sexual abuse by more than 300 priests in the Pennsylvania Catholic Church. We've all heard stories about these horrific type situations happening before. And, of course, they even made a movie about it, which involved... um, the church back East and a number of accused representatives for what they did. But in this case right here, a new grand jury report says that internal documents, okay, internal documents from six Catholic dioceses in Pennsylvania show that more than 300, what they term quote, predator priests have been credibly accused of sexually abusing more than 1000 child victims. They believe The real number of children, when they think about whose records were lost or who are afraid to ever come forward, is in the thousands, not just a thousand. This relates back to when you hear statistics on rape of females in, in different states and such as that. It's always, many times, been considered to be a small percentage of the actual number because people are afraid to come forward. The the article also states the priests were raped. Now, this doesn't stand for all priests. These are the priests that were accused. Okay, but priests were accused of raping little boys and girls, and the men of God who were responsible for them not only did nothing, meaning the people above them in the church, they hid it all. So for decades, monsignors, auxiliary bishops, bishops, archbishops, cardinals have mostly been protected. Many, including some named in this report, have also been promoted since then. So the grand jury described the church's methods as like a playbook for concealing the truth after the FBI agents, through a thorough investigation, identified a series of practices they found inside the diocese files. This story will unfold as things move on. Um, It's very, very disturbing. The diocese, basically, the abuse goes back. How do I say this? It's a very lengthy report. It's investigating clergy sexual abuse dating back to 1947 in six dioceses located in Allentown, Erie, Greensburg, Harrisburg, Pittsburgh, and Scranton, Pennsylvania. Two other dioceses in Philadelphia where I grew up as a child in Altoona, Johnstown, have been the subjects for earlier grand jury reports. It's very extensive. It's very horrific. We will see how this come out. And if people did this, they need to pay for this and whatever the legal law says for it. TJ, that is, that's the smoothest way I can state this. I read this this morning. I almost threw up my breakfast when I read it. I had to talk about it on the show today. Yeah, Do you have any comments? I, I mean,
0: I understand wanting to get it off your chest when you read something like that. I mean, it, it goes back to what we talk about constantly on the show is you're questioning society. You're questioning the way that n- not a small group of people are moving, but you know, an entire Uh, age of people, and for whatever reason, hundreds of people find it somewhat okay, or at least suppress the, I think, notion that we all know is wrong to prey on children, and they're going through with it anyway. It's hard for me to say anything other than the fact that children were preyed upon, and it disgusts me, and I hope that we become better.
2: Yes, I hope so too. And I'm going to encourage people if they want to see what has already been written about, made a film about, but there is an Oscar-winning film called Spotlight that stars Michael Keaton, Mark Ruffalo, and Rachel McAdams. Take the time to watch this movie made in 2015, an Academy Award-winning film, okay? And this will give you... A story based on the story that we're reporting today that occurred in the East Coast. Disturbing, yes, but it's something we cannot hide from. We need to know and observe, and we'll leave it at that. Any more comments, TJ? Nope, that's it. Okay. Next up, A-hole, not of the week, but of the year award. Now, TJ, I mentioned on a previous It's Time radio show just the other week that it was written about the fact that the fire, the horrific California fire, still blazing was started by a flat tire with the rim creating sparks. But now I guess that is not the case because a man has been arrested in connection with the devastating wildfire in Southern California. He's a conspiracy theorist who posted videos of his satanic rituals. Um, basically even stated this place is going to burn, which he allegedly texted a volunteer fire chief two weeks before the inferno enveloped Orange County, burning about 20,000 acres and destroying 12 homes. Excuse me. This is a separate fire. This is the one that's going on. It turned out that this guy – you know how you read about a small town? You're, you're, talk,
0: guy, you're, you're talking about the Holy gym fire, which yeah, think, is uh, – I mean, I, I wake up every morning with ash in my car from it.
2: Yeah, so. that's the one you're experiencing, right? Yep. All right, well, the one up north, they're still sticking with the, the, the flat tire theory, okay? This one is different. They've actually found – Uh, the person he's been arrested and he was the kind of guy that was walking around that was that guy that you would see in a town like weird making weird notes and everybody figured that at some point he was going to do something well lo and behold here's what happened you know TJ people that are arrested for things like this where animals die god forbid human beings die as well as the animals that pass from the horrific fire people displaced from their homes the vegetation the mother nature all the horrific things that fires cause man to me this is like life, life sentence death penalty stuff. What are you going to do with somebody like this You know, when they cause such horrific stuff? I know the letter of the law will be put out. We'll see how this pans out. I just have to give kudos and credit to the investigators that it, it boggles my mind how a fire like this, they can go through everything and get down to the fact and find out how it started, much less who started it. So another horrific story. We'll see how it unfolds. Any comments?
0: Uh, no. I mean, this is just uh, horrible stuff that I hope all goes away, and everyone you know gets out safe. There's already been too many tragedies on both sides uh, of this issue, and uh, for anyone to incite something like this on purpose disgusts me. Again, it goes back to what we were talking about in the previous story. Like, what is, where's the moral compass of human beings? I don't know. It's broken.
2: I don't know where it is, but in this case, it's broken. It ain't working. So it's inexplicable. All right, on to one more thing. Now, this is definitely one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Um, you know, planes have been stolen. Cars have been stolen. But did you see and hear the tape
0: of the Seattle airport worker yeah.
2: who crashed a stolen commercial
0: plane? I um, uh, I was following it live on Twitter oh, you, um, oh, really? when it was really? happening. Yeah, I uh, I subscribed to a, uh, a Twitter handle that actually gives me live updates to my cell phone. It notifies me when they post uh, things in a text message. And it's a uh, Los Angeles-based chase alert. So whenever there's a high-speed chase, I like to know where it is going on. And um, because, you know, if you're out and about, you want to avoid those freeways, if there's a standoff or anything like that. Well, they sent out a uh, tweet that was notifying everyone that there was a situation going on where there was a plane and you know, the Pacific Northwest uh, that has been hijacked. And um, obviously, when you hear those terms, you kind of get, I mean, beyond scared and freaked out in this country. Um, And I I was following along and and sort of seeing that this was a a baggage uh, employee for Alaska Airlines. And I've, I've looked into this a lot because I think that this story is really a lot about mental health and how there's a stigma about it, and some people don't seek out the the help and support that they need. And uh, this this gentleman, I can't remember his name. I think it's Russell, Richard Russell. Um, Richard Russell, yes. He he, I he said it to the air traffic control because he's flying this plane around, doing these insane uh, stunts and whatnot. Essentially, to me, like knowing that he was going to die once he took this plane off the ground um, during the. Ordeal. He's talking to the Ameri- uh, the uh, air traffic control person and basically says, "You know, I'm just a uh, broken guy. I'm a bit bro- uh, more broken than I thought I was."
2: Exactly. I'll give you the quote exactly because to to preface what you're saying, he was not a trained pilot. No. Supposedly, claimed he played a lot of video games. Right. He was doing barrel rolls. He yeah. was doing full circles. To. F-15 fighters were following him, obviously prepared to shoot him down if they had to. During this exchange over the radio, the what the quote that he said, TJ, is I've got a lot of people that care about me. It's going to disappoint them to hear that I did this. I would like to apologize to each and every one of them. Just a broken guy, got a few screws loose, I guess. Never really knew it until now. Right. And this was a man that worked at that airport and, again, didn't even have a a pilot license, and he's flying a plane that's a 76-seat prop plane doing the maneuvers he made. And eventually, of course, he crashed and died. Right. This is one of the strangest stories. We know that mental illness is a serious subject. We've had an effect with the school shootings, and God knows what other things take place, uh, whether it's breaking the law or just moving through the streets. But this is the weirdest thing or strangest thing One of the strangest things I have ever seen. And his family is absolutely devastated because, again, when people report about this, as his family said, they released a statement claiming that Richard Russell was a faithful husband, a loving son and a good friend who was loved by everybody because he was kind and gentle to everyone he met. Now, you have to say, why wouldn't that be true? Because he didn't kill anybody. He didn't pick up a gun. No, and he constantly and do mass shooting. He
0: constantly was apologizing to the air traffic controllers and people that were yeah. trying to help him. Going, man, I hope this doesn't ruin your day. It, it's and, so right. casual. It was. It was bizarre.
2: Uh, well the, when you listen to it as casual, it was. It was like a horror movie. It was like it, it, I was stunned. But again, he didn't hurt anyone
0: else. No, he didn't want to. He didn't want to. He hurt
2: and killed himself.
0: And and I'm I'm you know from the sounds of it, I I can't be certain what was going on in his mind. But I think he put that plane down where he did to ensure that he didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. And the one thing that really stuck out to me, he said at one point during the ordeal, he says, uh, you think this thing can do a barrel roll? I I think I'm going to try to do a barrel roll and see how that works out. And then just go nose down and call it a night. And when you hear him say that, it sounds like he's detached from the situation. It sounds like he's playing a video game. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's heart wrenching to hear, especially when he, you know, apologizes to those people. And there, there are times where it sounds like he's considering trying to land the plane safely, but ultimately that wasn't, uh, what he wanted to do.
2: Probably went through a few indecision processes within his own mind until the final end, which took place. So anyway, Crazy stuff, crazy week. Even getting crazier as we step away from this, President Trump is back in the news. When is he not? He's in the news daily, Um, whether it's positive, whether it's negative in some people's views. But I quoted last week, or I mentioned a couple of quotes last week from our president of the United States. This is another one i got to bring up. Okay, the firing of Omarosa, Uh who was the lady that appeared on his... Um, Apprentice TV show when he was the host and producer of The Apprentice. She was released from the White House last December. The book, the tell-all book that she came out with, which has a lot of statements about the president, which I'm sure he's not very happy reading, whether they're true or not. That remains to be seen, because again, these are her words in her book. Um, He made a statement on a tweet, one of his tweets, and I have to just read the statement, because He was one responsible for hiring her in the first place, partially or fully responsible. Uh, There is a class factor that all should be all of us should have when we're either writing tweets, discussing on the radio or doing whatever we do in life. That's just my opinion. I didn't find this to be a very classy tweet. No matter how he feels about Omarosa, no matter how he feels about her writing the book. There is a way to say things. And we get back to what we said last week. You have nothing nice to say. Why say it at all or say it in a way that's understood. But his treat reads as follows. When you give a crazed, crying, low life a break and give her a job at the White House, I guess it just didn't work out. Good work by General Kelly for quickly firing that dog. Mm. I would have written that in a different way. That's all I'm going to state on that. he's
0: He's trying to be offensive.
2: It's, it's well. A lot of people are claiming that it's a sexist and racist remark, and it's caused a lot of fire in the news. Now, the Trump campaign is also taking legal steps against Amarosa. They file for arbitration, accusing her. Her name is Omarosa Manigault Newman. She's come to the UFCs all the time with, with um, her her man Duncan, who you know uh, passed away tragically. Great guy, jiu-jitsu practitioner, but she used to come to the UFCs. That's where I first met her. So anyway, they claim the former campaign aide, a White House official, that she's breaching her 2016 nondisclosure agreement with the campaign. Now, there's a lot of question about these nondisclosure agreements, or NDAs as they're referred to, if they can stand up in court legally. But she, in the last week, has brought out tapes that she's made. She taped herself when she was being fired um, by General Kelly. She taped a conversation with President Donald Trump. Uh, after she was fired, where he claimed that he had no idea about it, which I found to be very surprising. I don't see how he would have an idea about that. That's just a personal viewpoint. So now the lawsuits or potential lawsuits are going to fly. Let's see how her book sells. I'm sure she got millions of dollars in in advances for this type of book. But again, President Trump, you're back in the news, not just for the good things you're doing, but for these other things people are questioning. Um, Constant stuff. I really can't comment beyond that. I'm just reporting the news here.
0: Now, here's my thing, Buff, like the problem with this country and the problem with this situation, it illustrates exactly what the core issue is, in my opinion. And it is no one does anything to really solve anything. Everyone has their own agenda and they try to push their own agenda. And the way that they push it is by being aggressive and the difference is between approaches are either you're outright aggressive and you say highly insensitive things to elicit reaction or you're passive aggressive and you try to quote unquote take a higher road while also being just as offensive and the problem with that is it causes nothing but bickering and arguing and responding rather than ever progressing and moving forward with any situation whether it be the recordings like this, whether it be personal interactions or whether it be broad political agendas. No one has a conversation anymore. Everyone just talks. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. they do so in the most aggressive or passive aggressive way. But both, neither, if you will, are constructive. Well put. We'll see how it pans out.
2: But um, I'd be very interested to see how the sales of her book go as far as that. I'd be interested to know how. It's just interesting. I want to see how much Interest, there is isn't the public out there because most of the younger generation either are or are not politically inclined. So this could go over their heads. So let's see how many people are paying attention to this. A couple other lawsuit uh, issues that are happening. You know, Dana White always said, as a fighter, don't leave your fight in the hands of the judges, finish the fight. I've said on the air, if ever there's a legal settlement, a lawsuit, if you can go to arbitration or take care of it before it goes to court, um, especially if you're the one being sued, it's smart to do that because once it gets in the hand of the judges, you never know what can happen. Now, I'm not saying this is a rightful or wrongful settlement, but it is a rightful settlement in respect to the fact that it was handed down. The jurors gave $289 million settlement to a man who claims, who they say got cancer from Monsanto's Roundup weed killer. Now, Roundup weed killer is supposedly the most popular weed killer Used in the world, so now a man who claimed to have received from the from the herbicide, they're claiming it caused non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. There were 800 patients that were suing Monsanto, claiming that this Roundup product gave them cancer, um, including you know spouses of their estates, of patients who have passed. They're also sued you know for similar claims, but in this case, the jury. Uh, after three days of deliberation, the jury of the Superior Court of California awarded Johnson $250 million of punitive damages and $39 million of compensatory damages. It's not going to change the fact that Johnson's two sons are going to lose their dad soon, but it will help their sons live comfortably after their dad passes away. That's a big lawsuit. Uh, Johnson & Johnson just got hit with a major settlement too. And now, the next lawsuit on, that w- occurred last week, um, Nike's stock actually went down after this was announced, but ex-employees are suing Nike, four former female employees are suing Nike for what they claim alleged gender discrimination, according to a clash action lawsuit that was filed last Thursday. So 11, early this year, 11 top executives were ousted after reports of harassment and bullying behavior, and now this follows with this lawsuit that's hitting Nike. We live in this age now, and these things have to be taken seriously, and again, nothing more to report on this, but we'll see how it all pans out. That's my lawsuit talk for the week. Now, on another subject here, uh, three years ago, three to four years ago, I've got to tell time, um, Michael uh, Buffer, my, my legendary great announcer brother, and I were both hired at the same time to open up uh, a big concert in Puerto Rico, sold out three days in a row, 75,000 people. And I had the pleasure of coming on stage and getting everybody excited and introducing Danny Yankee to the stage. There's a little six degrees of separation. Daddy Yankee was the target of this really crazy hotel room heist in Spain. So a guy impersonating a rapper, and pardon me, I don't know, I don't know many rappers, but uh, named Despacito, I don't know how popular he is, he allegedly fooled the staff into opening Daddy Yankee's safe. And when they did, he stole two million dollars in jewelry and cash from the safe. Can you imagine that? Boldly going in, impersonating another rapper. I have to see what this guy looks like.
0: Why, why do you have $2 million in jewelry in a hotel safe? If you, when I met Daddy Yankee, he's really cool, right? Okay. He is like
2: Mr. T with the jewelry and the stuff. I mean, he had to have had hundreds of thousands of dollars of jewelry just on him when I met him. So let's say he's traveling around. Like Kim Kardashian with the famous Paris robbery that occurred and Uh other people of his thing. He's on the road constantly, whether it's a Steve Aoki type or whatever, that are on the road constantly. So he obviously carries a lot of cash and a lot of jewelry with him. Crazy.
0: Yeah, but but, I mean, I I don't understand for that much. I don't understand why you would have that much with you in a hotel
2: room. Well, he famously rocks big gold chains and diamonds and that's exactly what was jacked. I'm telling you, he just he, it's just the jewelry he takes from that he wears and probably changes out. And cash-wise, wasn't a lot of cash. $2,500 $2, a cash. I'm, I'm, Not a I'm, lot of cash.
0: Maybe I'm crazy here. Maybe people think I'm wrong. I just think it's highly irresponsible to have that much jewelry with you at one time. I'll tell you what's highly irresponsible is when
2: it's your safe and your stuff in the safe and your own employees – open the safe for somebody they don't know i'm I'm, I'm with you that's
0: bad and the the hotel's going to be on the hook for the the damages i'm i'm sure but But excuse uh, me it was a hotel staff member not his people no but again but again yeah the hotel staff member is going to be on the hook for it but or the hotel itself but my point is this why like you said it's your safe if you're renting that room really not your safe all those safes have like a universal code that you can get into I just – I wouldn't – I'd bring my own da- – if I've if i got $2 million in jewelry, I've got enough to bring a, a firebox that I can lock and have my own key to and no one else can get in. I find
2: all this stuff crazy like you're talking about too because, A, I don't let other people handle my money, and it blows me away when I hear about people. They give money to handle them, wind up stealing millions of dollars from them. B, a story like this, I mean – is there a point where you just have so much money that you don't take security moves to protect your money and to protect See, your belongings? I, I, I
0: don't. I don't think it comes down to the value of money. I think it comes down to just appreciating things. Like, uh, I'm sure you have one of these. Do you have a custom IFB?
2: Yes. I have. Uh, yeah. I carry two of them in right. show.
0: I will not let anyone touch my IFB. Not because it's custom made and it's expensive. I just don't want to lose the damn thing. And those things can be lost incredibly easily. And I'm, I probably treat my IFBs more uh, carefully than Daddy Yankee does his $2 million jewelry.
2: Yeah, I understand that completely because that's where the comfort of the show comes in, even for me, too. And I, I, I can see you exactly. It's, it's called being responsible. Right. And, so.
0: and, that, and that, that's what I think it comes down to. And it's, it's not the dollar figure, I mean, is ancillary to all of this. It's the fact that you're willing essentially to be so reckless and careless with something that is so valuable that that's the issue. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, let's move on to
2: another story here. Uh, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Did you see that Mark Wahlberg movie where the true story about where he wa- had did the walk on on the practice field when Dick Vermeil allowed anybody to come train and he wound up playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. For- yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, here's a story that's kind of like the same, but the opposite. There was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan on the P- Pittsburgh Steelers, like every NFL team are in training camp. But by the way, before I go into the story, hard knocks, uh, the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, all that's going on in that. This is a very compelling season. The second show was this week. If you love football, and I highly recommend everybody watch Hard Knocks, just get a little behind-the-scenes action. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I believe they're going to win the Super Bowl again this year, but I'm going to be watching the Cleveland Browns. It came off a, a season where they didn't win a single game last year and hope they have a successful season. Uh, Mayfield, if he wants to be the starting quarterback, I wish him all the best. I happen to have dinner with him at the LA spectacular charity event a month ago at Snoop Dogg's compound, found the man to be very cool. And I wish him and his team all the best. Compelling watch hard knocks. Now Pittsburgh Steelers, a fan dressed up with yellow football pants, yellow Steelers Jersey, uh, wearing number 43, a number that hasn't been used by the team since 2015 because it's Troy. Palomalo's uh, retirement number um, or number, and he retired. He walked on and luckily was spotted by the coaches, but he managed to get through onto the field through security and was going to go and try and train with the, with the uh, team.
0: Now, He wasn't I really trying to train with the team. He was trying to have exactly what happened happen. I, I correct myself and agree with you.
2: He got on. He got noticed. Everybody wants to be famous for their split second or 15 seconds. In this case, half a second of fame. I wonder what's going to happen to him. Did he get arrested? That's the
0: question. I'm sure he's trespassing. I mean, they they always arrest these people to try to set a standard that it's not acceptable. Um, Right. The the reason he got as far as he did is because he was kind of in shape. He kind of looked like he belonged there.
2: Oh, he's ripped. He's, he's got the shirts halfway up. You know, he's right. a six-pack.
0: Oh, he looks had, like a football player. Had he, yeah. had he not had a Paul jersey on, if he would have had a number of 64, I I think he would have got further than he did.
2: Uh, possibly so. A number more pertaining to the well, position the, like, he looks yeah, like he would well, play.
0: Well, yeah. no, 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 no. Not a position that looks like he would play. Uh, uh, a number that didn't go, look, this is a retired number. Nobody got wears you. this number ever again for the Steelers not even in practice. so Yeah, not not wearing a standout number. I got it. Right. And uh, because, I mean, how many, I mean, we're still in the preseason. There are a ton of guys on a football team right now that are not going to make the team. You know what I mean? That They're going to get cut. We've had one preseason game. So not everyone's face is all that recognizable. Not to mention, in football, I mean, there are a lot of people that call themselves pretty hardcore NFL fans that probably couldn't pick some of their players, favorite players, Out of a lineup because they're used to seeing them play on the field with a big number and helmet on their head. You know, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Yeah, I yeah, I I agree. So I'm I'm saying change that number. We're talking this story in a completely different manner.
2: Well, I hope he enjoyed his two seconds of fame. He got on the field, Um, and uh, again, NFL season. I'm very excited. September ninth, first weekend. Can't wait. Of course, I never bet sports, but as you know, I do enjoy putting action on the football games I watch, and I did go 100% from beginning to end from the playoffs to the Super Bowl. So let's see how I do this year, and we'll have the picks weekly, uh, my top two picks as we normally do. Moving on here, uh, the Oscars, which is obviously a traditional ritual for the film community, something I've always enjoyed every year. They've added a new Oscar category. Now they're going to add, whether you might think this is kind of dumb or not, It is kind of meaningful, but basically is they're adding the popular film, in other words, the most popular film category to the Oscars. Now, how is that going to be judged? As an example, you have a film like Black Panther, which broke all records, might not be the critically acclaimed film to be nominated for the other Oscar categories, but like Titanic, The Lord of the Rings, Forrest Gump, that all ruled the box office in respective years and earned Best Picture awards, in this case, it could walk away with an Oscar because it's pretty much the highest-grossing, most popular film of the year. I got no problem with that. Um, what about you, TJ? Just, it, it actually, it's kind of cool. It's like, hey, you were the most popular. Here's your Oscar. I th- I'm i fine
0: with that. Are you? Uh, I mean, I, I still think that you should win an Oscar on the craft of the... Uh the work itself, you're judged by no um, argument. your peers and they, you know, pick out the best film based on a different criteria than what moves the needle. Um, it, the, it, it's an academy that picks those winners. You know what I mean? It's not a viewer's choice award. Uh, a viewer's choice award is exactly what you necessarily are. What, exactly what you just said in this this statement. If you walk away with the most money, like, well, we know what the best movie of the year was I want to know what the best movie of the year was by people that are actually qualified to sort of make those arguments based on the traditional qualities that are viewed to be masterpieces? You know what well, I mean. I, gr- I agree with you, and but you know,
2: there's also the other side of the coin on why this came about, which has been mentioned. Um, the motivation for the Academy of extending honors to the so-called popular films. They're hoping they're going to attract more viewers to the actual Oscars themselves. The most watched telecast in Oscar history was in 98 when Titanic won. Right. But last year's telecast hit an all-time low in ratings with 26.5 million viewers, which is still a hellacious amount of viewers, but it was a 20% drop from the previous year, which going the way they're going could dictate another 20% drop next year.
0: So So you know what this sounds to me, Bruce? It sounds like they want to make the Academy Awards more like pro wrestling and just give the fans what they want. It's a ratings move. It is
2: a ratings move. The other change is set to take place, according to the academy, and they're going to have a stricter adherence to the three-hour telecast, so it doesn't go over with you know, which can cause a lot of people to turn it off. So I, I look at this as both a move to benefit again, whatever the most popular film is, or do they judge it on the highest grossing? The you know, it's a question. Let's we'll see how it comes out next year when they happen. But it's a ratings move. Going on,
0: baller stars. Sorry, re- real quick, that in itself. Destroys the whole purpose of the damn awards show.
2: No argument because you're getting away from the artistic value voted by your peers right to this. And I do agree with that. I mean, the, the, that, there's
0: so. an old saying. I don't know if you've heard it. I'm, I'm sure you have. Who do TV people make good TV for? Other those TV two, people.
2: Other TV people and those 2,000 people that have Nielsen rating boxes sitting right. on top of their TV, which judge the whole rating system. But, 2,000 but, but, TV sets.
0: But for the most part, the finer points of television or film or radio or anything can really only be identified by people that know what they're looking at. You know what I mean? That's like, that's like saying, Oh, we're going to do figure skating at the Olympics and we're just going to let the crowd pick the winners. Well, the crowd, you don't, they just bought a ticket. You don't know if they understand the difference between a triple axle and a whatever, you know what I mean? And uh, I, I just think that when you sort of blur the line between credentialed critics and then just giving people what they want, it's really no longer all that special of a thing. Like, for example, we can bring this back to mixed martial arts. Don't, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not making uh, any uh, insults here towards the UFC or any promoter for that matter. But if I wanted to draw the biggest pay-per-view buy, I possibly could. I'm just going to try to get the most popular celebrities I can to fight one another in the octagon. And that's gonna move the needle. You're not gonna be able to tell me though that the winners of those fights are the best fighters in the world, even no, if they sold not. the most pay per views.
2: No, no, just drew just drew the most ratings. Right. That's all.
0: So should should those be the fighters of the year? Or should the best fighter in the world, based on their meshing of jujitsu, kickboxing, and wrestling be the best fighters in the world?
2: Yeah, it's a good example for what you're saying. I'm with you. So let's see what happens. Let's see how the Oscars turn out next year. Moving on, uh, one of my favorite shows is back on HBO. Uh, oh, yeah. I've been watching this Ballers. One. Yeah.
0: Ballers. Yeah, yeah. Do you like it? Um, so the second season I thought was a real big letdown. And then the third season I loved. And now uh, one episode into season four, um, I'm loving it.
2: Yeah, I'm loving it, too. I'm, I'm a huge uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock fan, Dwayne The Rock Johnson fan. But this is a uh, a show by Peter Berg, huge, huge UFC fan, the director of Mile 22 being released uh, this week, actually, with Ronda Rousey and Mark Wahlberg. I uh, wish him all the best on that one. I'm going to go check it out. So a uh, really great show. Now, I had the pleasure of arranging for Michael Buffer to open up and introduce Aerosmith, onto the stage in Las Vegas at one of their sold out concerts. One of My almost famous weekend, Aerosmith put us up at a beautiful hotel. We got to be with them during the rehearsal, with them afterwards. They're not the party animals they used to be, but it was an amazing experience for both Michael and I. Aerosmith, now with some of their band members literally being in the 70 range of age, are setting up shop in Sin City. Like a lot of people, uh, whether it's Britney Spears or J-Lo, Uh, They are now going to set up residency and have ongoing concerts in Las Vegas, and I think this is really, really cool. I don't have any idea how many concerts, how often it will be, but they said the group will kick off a Las Vegas residency at the MGM, the past home of UFC fights before the T-Mobile Center was put together.
0: Right. Looking forward to it. It, it, To to me, a lot of people sort of talk about, like, oh, Las Vegas, where old – bands or old acts go to sort of die and go out to pasture. When you get a residency, though, especially when you're a legendary group like some of the ones that you just mentioned, I think that is so neat because when these bands go on tour, they don't hit every stop that you would want them to just because it takes a lot. I mean, you travel a lot and you don't travel the way that bands do. Going on, I mean, think about if you were on on tour the way that these bands are for months well, at a time where you would never get on a plane. You're just going think, from town to town on a bus.
2: So think about, again, do a UFC um, comparison. The octagon, the truck, right. the gear, the crew, Yeah, they're constantly on the road. Right. Think about if we only did shows in Las Vegas, how much easier it would be.
0: Right, and, and also, too, when it's in one area, you can argue, well, they're never going to come to your town if they're in one area. Um, yes, that is true, but it's much easier for people to plan out a trip to go see them in Las Vegas if they're there for 6, 8, 10, 12 months at a time. You exactly. know you can plan it. You can do so accordingly.
2: It's Las Vegas. Every adult winds up in Vegas or majority of adults wind up in Vegas at some point or time. So you're right. Easy trip to plan. So good luck. Good luck to Aerosmith. Um, I know Steven Tyler ran into him recently in uh, in an airport. He's always a great guy. He's always enjoyable. He even said he wanted me to introduce him at one point. So let's see if I get a call to uh, arms when I'm in Vegas one time. I definitely will get in contact with him when we have a big show in Vegas uh, during the time they're there. With that being said, in the collectible end, I know I talk about cards. I know I talk about PSA-graded and GAI-graded cards and unopened wax packs. I'm going to give you another example of an investment. It's, it's, this is an expensive one, but the return has been tremendous. Four years ago, I bought a 1957 Topps wax pack, unopened, which contains cards of the great baseball players like Roberto Clemente, Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays. Who knows what's in there? It could be a total gold mine. I paid $2,700 for a grade 8 GAI-graded wax pack. A wax pack was just sold um, for $5,700 that was graded 6. So that basically means... That in four years, what I tell you, if you buy correctly, that your packs and cards could double in value if you buy the right ones that are graded. Here is a perfect example that in four years on a large investment of 2,700 has now returned over 100%. Because I know if I put the pack that I own of this on eBay, it will sell within one week. It will not not sell. It will sell. That's what we call gold bricks. So, again, everybody out there, if you have cards pre-1975, baseball, basketball, football, hockey, they're all valuable because there's only so much, again, back to the economic theory of supply and demand. Here's another example for you, just like I gave you my, my example of the Mickey Mantle 1955 card we talked about a few weeks ago. So just a little tidbit there. All right, TJ, I want to sign off. Is there anything else you want to talk about?
0: Mm, No, I mean, nothing really going on for me right now. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of that. uh, I mean, my son's back in school, so summer's like, quote, unquote, officially over if you're coming at it from the kid's point of view. But I I feel like we're in those like lasting little days of summer. The days are nice and long. The sun's up early. It goes down late. I'm I'm loving life right now. Great
2: time of year. And Henry and Rupert and Kristen and Chris, uh, they all got back from Kauai from an 11-day vacation. And uh, they got back Sunday, and Rupert went right back to school on Tuesday. Henry's lucky. He's got another two weeks. He's starting – what is he starting? He's starting the eighth grade. So he's in the eighth grade now. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the eighth grade, yes. So kids are going, growing fast. All right, everybody, thank you for your um, voiceover and recording and video and audio requests that have been coming in through BruceBuffer.com. Uh, I think I mentioned last week, but since the Stipe Miocic baby birth, uh, audio went out, which I sent to him personally, TJ, I'm not just getting requests for babies, but now I'm getting requests for babies that are about to be born three months from now. They want pre-birth birth birth requests.
0: I mean, that's the best, that's the best gender reveal I could think of.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's very, very cool. So keep them coming in folks. We love doing them here at brucebuffer.com. Everybody treat everybody around you with respect, treat people the way you want to be treated be a role model to your sphere of influence, set your goals, learn about them, write them down, get as much knowledge as possible. So when you set foot on that pathway to fulfill your goals, you can be the best you can be and do the best job you can do. That is what winning is all about. I wish you all the best. Life is about winning. That's what we talk about on It's Time Radio. We'll talk about it more next week when we're back. Have a great week, everybody. Buffer out.
1: The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. Toyota's Labor Day sales event is ending soon. Save big with 0% APR on 13 of Toyota's top-selling models like RAV4, Camry, and Corolla. Don't wait. Toyota's Labor Day sales event ends Monday. Toyota, let's go places. Click the banner or visit buyatoyota.com.